Welcome to Weishi Radio on 91.8 Hayes FM, your local radio and worldwide podcast that's interactive through Facebook Lives and special guests. Join Nicola Chan each week as she helps you with your body image, mindset, fitness and health to feel confident and find your true potential. Hello everybody and welcome to Weishi Radio. My name's Nicola Chan and today with me in the hot seat is Danny Taylor. Welcome Danny. Hello there. So Thanks I for having Danny. me Nicola. You're welcome. Nice to have you. Um, I met Danny just a few months ago, really. Um, well, the end of 2020, when I, I moved from London to Liverpool. And Danny's gym, Taylor Strength, was the first one that I found. And I just like clicked with it straight away. I was attracted to it because it had um, weightlifting, strongman and powerlifting. And even in London, I hadn't seen any other gyms that had just those three modalities without CrossFit or anything else. Um, so I was instantly attracted to it. Um, and I had a number of interviews with Danny to get myself in that gym. <laughs> um, and I'm looking forward to outside of lockdown when I can start working there and training some clients there as a weightlifting coach. Um, but I wanted to get Danny on here to find out about Taylor Strength, a little bit about Danny and find out his story and we can share that with everybody else. Um, so welcome, Danny. Um, and if you could take us back to the beginning, tell us about Taylor Strength and how you came to begin Taylor Strength. Well, first of all, it used to be called Taylor's Fitness Training back in the day because I used to be more interested in the fitness component of training myself. So naturally, as um, my kind of values around training and interest around training evolved, um, so did the business as well. And uh, I think uh, you'll know from being a coach yourself when you're interested in something, you want to uh, you wanna help people with the thing that you're interested in as you start to learn more about it too. So uh, back in the day, it was more just about um, the strength and conditioning style, uh, the strength and conditioning component of training, helping um, athletes from team sports. One of my first clients was a semi-professional boxer. Um, I had two semi-professional football players when I first started. Uh, and it kind of just grew from there. But um, my origins take me right back to boot camps in a local park. So Calderstones Park, for anyone who's familiar with Liverpool. And um, I remember the first session, and um, we had about 30 or 40 people turn up. And I was like totally overwhelmed at the time. I'd never really had much experience kind of speaking in front of a crowd of people, I guess. So I was nervous as hell. I was really young at the time as well. When I started this, I was kind of, what, 20 years old? Yeah, really good turnout for the first one. And then uh, as the weather got worse, less people started to come. And then I was like, why aren't people turning up? It's cheap. It's great. Like, it's good bang for your buck. And I remember after the first session, um, one of the park wardens came over to me and was like, have you got a permit to do this? And I just remember, like, not being able to get me words out because I, was, I just didn't know how to handle it. <laughs> and uh, he was, like, super friendly and stuff. He was just like, you know, you need a permit to be able to do the boot camp here. And, um, and I totally flapped it. I was like, uh, 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 stuttering. <laughs> and um, it's funny when you think back like to, to the times where, you know, you didn't know how to deal with these things and where I am now. I'm quite pleased with how things have, have uh, come to fruition over the years. So uh, that's kind of my origin. Um, as I say, as my kind of the philosophies around training evolved and led me down the, uh, the strength training and powerlifting route. Um, tailors as a whole kind of become more niche and we were able to start um, kind of advertising and working with athletes in a more niche demographic that being strength um, and more specific at the time it was powerlifting and uh, so no one was doing this in a moment, because I want to ask you sure, about yeah, yeah. all the modalities that you have but I want to get to know you first so as you said back then you were quite shy when you were teaching this class and that's that's amazing that you had all those people I've taught classes yeah. and no one's turned up <laughs> And I, 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 was, I remember watching actually, um, who is it? Joe Wicks. Joe Wicks. Everybody knows Joe Wicks now. And he's just a personal trainer just like us. And I remember there was a program about him, about his success. And he was saying that he was in London in Hyde Park and he was standing there giving out leaflets to get people to his boot camps and no one would turn up. You know, so yeah. it's just the same as us. And you win some, you lose some. It's about you Holy. keeping going, isn't it? Um, so you're saying about how you were back then. Um, and I want to take you back even before then. So how you got into fitness, like who inspired you to get into fitness? What was your journey? And then why did it turn into strength? And then you create in your own gym. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is funny. So Danny Staples, right, who you interviewed with, um, he's one of my best friends. 
Uh, he's going to be one of my best men at my wedding in October as well. Uh, and really, it's it's because of him and some of the things that uh, he was talking to me about because we used to be colleagues. We used to work together in a retail store. Um, and through working with each other, I got to know Danny on a more personal level. And um, <laughs> one day, um, I remember catching him. And uh, it's a little homoerotic, if you like. But I remember catching him uh, in the staff room, getting changed. I just like kind of walk burst through the door, and uh, he had his top off, and he was like shredded to bits. And I was like, "What the hell?" I was like, "I had no idea." Because if you if you see Danny Staples, he's quite unassuming. He's not boisterous. Uh, he's not someone who comes across as like a show off or anything like that. So um, he'd never like he'd never like indicated that he he had this physique before or he had this knowledge about training. So I was like, "I want to look like that." That's sick. And that kind of like, I guess that kind of got me into wanting to improve my physique at the time. And we all kind of start going down the bodybuilding routes. And um, I just wanted to learn a little more. So I used to ask him um, what methods he was using. Uh, I would ask him who he was following, uh, what research I could do to improve my knowledge and my training. Um, and then from there, I found a genuine passion for learning more. And then... I got a real buzz from uh, helping others as well. So at the time I was in like a local council gym and some of the things that Danny was teaching me and then I would go back and research. I would tell my training partners in the gym or even like just the regulars at the gym who were like kind of just going through the motions. And, you know, admittedly when I look back, I'm like, oh, I cringe at what I was doing then as we all do as we start to progress. Were you training back then? no, no, not at all. So it was kind of just like advice to, to me mates, you know, and uh, to see them start to benefit from the, the advice that I was giving them, like gave me the sensation and feeling that I'd never felt before. And that's when I started to develop a passion, passion for helping others. And uh, that's all she wrote, I guess. That's where that's kind of what lit the fire for me. It's great that you had social media back then because as you're talking, it's taking me back as well. And I remember when I did my personal trainer course and one of my best friends now, I met her on the course, she gave me like a, a massive personal trainer manual. So everything was in a book and you used to kind of just have magazines and books then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rather than social media. Yeah, uh, you know, I kind of started uh, Taylor's Fitness back then, Taylor's Strength, um, when social media was starting to become more prevalent. Um, but it still wasn't as, uh, it still didn't have as much of an impact as what it has now. So. Sorry. <laughs> that was Chris. I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just off. I was off on a tangent. <laughs> Sorry, can you just say that last one again? Uh, yeah, so like uh, when I started, um, social media wasn't as prevalent as what it is now, so. Um, it was I, I couldn't use it as a tool to make as much of an impact as what someone could now. So like mm -hmm. some of the tools you've got these days are, are so good and so powerful and have so much of an impact, especially in the, the digital age that we're living in. But yeah, I don't want to go off too far because I will just talk. So talk to me a little bit about this, the body image, because it was the body image that attracted you to get into fitness in the first place. And you saw your friend, you wanted to look like that. And then you started training that way and then helping clients. And then you then moved on to strength. So talk to me a little bit about the body image side of things and the bodybuilding that you went through. Uh, yes. So like, um, I wanted to look like um, hair, like everyone's heroes, like mm -hmm. Sylvester Stallone, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I was like, yes, that's unreal. And if I work hard enough, I'll get that physique. And then my dreams were shattered when I learned that um, they didn't do that naturally. <laughs> so uh, I quickly realized that I didn't have the genetic potential for a start. I wasn't like naturally built. I've always been tall and slender. Um, so it would have been very difficult for me to, to be able to get to the naturally without any um, Egyptian supplements, as I like to call them, <laughs> to give me, a, give me a hand along the way. So... Um, I think that's when I started to kind of uh, adapt my training and I started to kind of fall in love with, with strength then because I got more of a buzz from outlifting people who were bigger than me. <laughs> so the reason why I ask that is because I talk to a lot of people about their body image and I do yeah. speak to a lot of women. So it's nice to hear like a man's point of view as well and how men are affected being in the industry as leaders as well and having clients come to you and ask you generally about aesthetics, which seems to be the, the highest 
amount of people that come in to ask to be fit. Um, so how that was affecting you being a leader of it and, and your own body image. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I think for, I think for me, like I've always been the skinny kid. Um, I def, uh, I used to, I used to have a very poor relationship with food as well from a young age. So I was the I was that kid who lived on like the coca chicken noodles or like tuna pasta, and I still eat tuna pasta now. By the way, it's like my number one dish. But um, yeah, like I just eat the same food, and uh, I would not eat much of it as well. So. Yeah, I was constantly like the, the skinny kid and um, I wasn't like the most sporty kid either. So I was never like really good at anything. So to start to be able to, to, to gain strength at the rate that I was and then uh, just kind of looking at how uh, what other weights that people were doing and some of the guys who were clearly like on steroids in the gym and uh, who had better physiques than me um, kind of helped me look past just the, the, the physical, the aesthetic side of it. Um, and then I started to lean more towards how I felt um, and the health side of it all and the strength side of it, the performance side of it, rather than getting caught up with the aesthetics and dieting and things like that. Mm. How did you make that shift? That's quite a hard shift, and especially when you're starting in the gym and comparing yourself to other people. How do you yeah. stop comparing yourself and realise your own potential? I think you've just got to be realistic about your expectations. For me, it, that's what it was anyway. That was the trigger at that age. And um, quickly realizing that uh, I couldn't get to that level without any extra help, say, um, with with, uh, with like kind of just my body type, the, the tall, slender body type. I'm six foot. Uh, at the moment, I weigh about 80. But when I started training, I was like 67 kilos, even less. So you can... You can imagine I was just like a noodle. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think, I don't know what it was for me. It's probably the t at the point where I was like, well, the rate that I'm gaining muscle um, is far slower than the rate that I'm gaining strength. And I got way more of a buzz um, from gaining strength than I did from improving my physique. So uh, I think that's what it was for me. There was nothing... I don't think there was anything like, um, I don't think I had like any epiphany moments, but I think it was kind of just gradual. I quickly realized that um, over the course of a year or so uh, after I started that um, the aesthetic side of it wasn't worth me pursuing given the, the rates I could get stronger. So. so did you feel like when you first got into strength training that it was something that was that met your genetics and you found you were quite good at it? Yeah, so... Um, I wasn't good at it really. I just progressed at a rate that was quicker than building muscle mass um, and improving my aesthetics. So uh, I stuck it out. Um, I'm really stubborn. I guess that is one of my best and worst traits. Uh, so uh, as a result of that, I was able to, to progress where, where others might not have progressed as quickly, I guess. Uh, and I think it's just down to like always having a real strong work ethic um, and some of the people who I following at the time as well, who inspired me, um, some like big name coaches over in the States, uh, like Joe DeFranco, Zach Evanish, uh, James Smith. Um, they were always kind of, uh, they come from like a, a blue collar kind of um, environment where like their gyms were somewhat hardcore, but they were training like, um, they were training athletes from team sports. And it was all about like working hard and you know seeing the program through and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, strength for me never really came natural, but I just preferred it. How much do you think strength is about your mindset? And like you just said there about your tenacity to keep going and just put it put all in, go all in. I think for someone like me, a lot. I think for someone who's um, more naturally talented, they might overlook the mental components of it. Um, but I think the elite definitely respect both equally, which is why they're elite. How hard would you say is getting into strength training at any other time in life other than when you're a kid? Because me myself had got into strength training quite later on, although I did fitness my whole life and martial arts when I was young. So I was always into fitness, but I met a lot of athletes who started weightlifting, for example, at such a young age. And I'm like, oh, like if only I'd have started when I was young, I'd have all this right, flexibility, yeah. you know, and I'd have so many years to my muscles. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, 
it's accessible for anyone. I think the older you get, the harder it can be for sure. But I think as long as you find the right environment and you're reading the right sort of information, um, I think you can start at any point and it can be easy to get into for anyone at all at any time in life. Um, one of my oldest clients is a, a British powerlifting champion and she's in her 60s. So uh, mm. age is just a barrier that you've got to overcome and strength can be a catalyst for that. Mm -hmm. Did she start at that age or did she start younger? She was always active, but um, powerlifting, she picked up in her 60s. Uh, and previous to that, she I think she was doing uh, some circuit training. Previous to that, I think she'd done some Pilates. I'm sure she'll correct me if I'm wrong, but something along those lines. So how important is strength training to you? Uh, it's everything because without strength, um, without, without strength training, um, tailors wouldn't exist. Uh, and I wouldn't have gone on to want to help more people and then uh, be having conversations like this with you and have a team of coaches who want to help people just as much as I want to help people. So uh, it means the world to me. It means more than just lifting the bar up and putting it back down. You know, I think um, it, it is definitely a form of escapism for me personally and many out there. And I think the lockdowns have certainly um, made a strong point there that um, – uh, people really, uh, people really turn to to the gym and lifting as a way to uh, uh, as a way to um, escape and as as a way to get like a release. Um, so I think it's it's important really to try and find other things too while we're on that subject. But um, yeah, it's it's absolutely everything. We would not be having this conversation now if it weren't for it. So that's why it goes beyond just getting stronger or improving your physique. Mm -hmm. So what was your idea behind Taylor Strength? Because you said your first business was sort of Taylor Fitness um, and then you changed it to Taylor Strength. What yep. was the idea behind it and how did you come to just choose the three modalities that you have? Uh, so I touched on this briefly earlier, but it was as my interests developed um, and some of the uh, things that I was doing in my training progressed or change, I changed direction. Uh, and I become more passionate about one discipline or uh, a certain method. Um, naturally, I, I want to pass on that information to try and help others and to see if they might be interested in it too. Um, and then it kind of just went from there to progress from there. It kind of, what's happened is we, we've kind of, we've entered the industry and been um, targeting quite a broad demographic going down like the, the fitness route. And then over the years, we've become, more specific and more niche uh, and I think it's taken some time for us to really find our niche but uh, now we have um, with, with a home of strength sports we specialize in powerlifting Olympic weightlifting strongman um, we're as you said before when you introduced us uh, we're, we're the only uh, gym that you're aware of that does this I'm the only um, we're the only gym that I'm aware of that does this as well I think there's people who might try and do it, but not to the level that we're doing it right now, where we're going all in on these big three. So uh, to answer your question, yeah, um, I think it's as my interests have changed and um, as I've developed as a, an athlete, I guess, myself and my interests have, have developed over the years, then um, it's also changed the direction of the business too. So, How long have you been a powerlifter? I've been powerlifting since 2013 and competing um, in powerlifting since 2014. So that's when I entered my first competition and I so coached. That's been your, your main modality for yourself? Uh, early on, for sure. But um, my first, uh, and not many people know this, but um, my first competitive event, and Chris will be happy to hear this, was a strongman event. Uh, not many people know that. So save that one for the Taylor's quiz. <laughs> So what do you personally like the most about powerlifting over the other modalities? Um, it's more accessible than the others, I think. It's easier to pick up, is what I mean. Um, I think it can, be, it can be mastered because you're only doing those three lifts over and over and over again. I like the intricacies in powerlifting the way um, you can change one small component of it and it can either throw the lift off or it could be a game changer for you in being able to progress that lift. Um, and I love like just testing different things out with, with my, obviously I'm retired from coaching now, but I still do 
uh, a little bit of online coaching. So I love just like just tweaking programs or tweaking techniques slightly and then just watching how that um, how that impacts the lifter uh, over so many months or whatever it might be. And then just tweaking something else that's really small. Um, and ultimately, um, that leads to like a larger gain in their skill or strength. So I think uh, powerlifting, I think at the time, what got me into it was just that it seemed like a really community-centric sport. Um, it was inclusive. Uh, everyone generally seemed really friendly. Uh, I love that. It was just kind of everyone from all walks of life, regardless of um, your social class uh, or whatever it might be, your, your politics. Uh, everyone is it, just there for the same reason and to get stronger and everyone there supports each other as a result of that because everyone wants everyone to succeed as an individual because it is an individual sport so I, th I think that was the that was a big attraction for me mm, I've always found that just in fitness in general how much it brings people together because I used to work in corporate fitness and one of the places I worked was British Airways and in their work environment they had different levels and classes but when they were in the gym they were all in the gym kit and they were all the same and I just loved that there was awesome. no you know i'm higher than you or lower than you we were just all equal and one thing i do like about strength sport is that you work on your pb so it's your personal best it's not yours next to your mates or anybody else right yeah so how much of the powerlifting training is about your mindset um again lots depending on who you are some people have got it genetically um some people have just got it and are good at everything, which is annoying, but that's just the way the world is. And um, I think for someone like me, or you know, my, my kind of body type, you'd call um, like a hard gainer, someone who's tall and slender, finds it very difficult to, to put muscle mass on or gain strength, um, typically an ectomorph in the body type. But um, yeah, I think for someone like me who puts work ethic uh, above everything else, um, for sure. But um, I think so that's working the business and working the gym. Yeah, <laughs> you can you can definitely you can definitely use it and apply it to other uh, areas of your life. But I think when you when you uh, are naturally gifted at something, it can be easy to overlook the the work ethic side of it, the mental side of it. So. Uh, I think uh, it just depends, really, doesn't it? Um, everyone's different and everyone approaches it differently. So uh, one shoe doesn't fit all, which again, which is like an attraction of powerlifting. I love that, not one shoe fits all kind of thing. Everyone requires mm -hmm. something different. Um, and I've got guys who, who are just like naturally absolute beasts and really strong. And um, as soon as you change something in the technique, like it all goes to bits and it's because they've been having weight to this function for so long or whatever it might be. It could be a mindset thing. Uh, but they might overlook work ethic as a result of them already naturally being strong. So I guess that's where the, the mental side of it comes in. Because mm. mindset is obviously a big topic, but there's there's that mindset, that tenacity to keep going, to keep working. But then there's also the, what happens when I'm not gaining results anymore? Like I've had this beginner gains and now I've plateaued. How do I keep motivated and keep going? Also, how do I keep motivated after I've had a lockdown or I haven't yep. necessarily had kit at home and I haven't been able to keep fit if I've had a pause? How do I bring myself back in after that? And then there's also the day-to-day -day of actually when you are able to do it, how do I feel that day? And how do I listen to my body and know when to rest or when to push it? And finally, like fear, because I've experienced that myself. I've experienced it with my clients. Like lifting weights can be scary. Yeah, are you referring to weightlifting? Because it's terrifying. <laughs> well, <laughs> that as well. We'll move on to that. I have a lot to say on that topic and a lot to ask you. But just from powerlifting for the moment, like your perspective of all those different things that relate to mindset from your own and your clients. Yeah, sure. I think uh, I think if anyone's listened to this and wants to take home, uh, do some reflection. I think um, looking back at how far you've progressed over however, like what whatever your timeline is, whether it's 10 years or, or 10 months, um, it's super important and I think that can be used as a, a catalyst to motivate you uh, for when we do come out of the lockdown so just think back look back uh, where, where were you when you started it's you're going to be way further ahead than where you were from 10 months ago or 10 years ago starting up again um, neural pathways don't have to be developed as new 
Um, you just have to grease the groove again, repeat the movements, and the neural pathways will develop more quickly. Uh, and what I'm talking about here, uh, if we're going to push the lingo to one side, is muscle memory, of course. Um, that's the buzzword, isn't it? So, yeah, if you've done it once, you can do it again. Um, the whole, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it is true to an extent, but it's easier to get back again once you do begin. So, reflect. So go easy on yourselves. <laughs> yeah, just like, you know, still, like still take advantage of the fact that you, you can you can train and get a lot done with your own body weight uh, but of course if like if you're feeling a strain then and you need you need some time away to switch off then do it don't try and like beat yourself up or make yourself feel bad gyms are going to come back lifting is going to come back and all your gains are going to come back too and guess what everyone's in the same boat minus a handful of people like me where i've got my own gym and it is a silver lining but guess what even my gains are slow because i've not got um, the community around me, the environment's not the same. I'm literally lifting in a, a, a quiet, dusty old gym at the moment, no music on, nothing like that. And um, yeah, that has an effect too. So take it easy on yourself. Don't beat yourself up. But also just think like you're, you, you are a gym yourself. You've got your own body weight. Uh, mm -hmm. Calisthenics body weight exercises are so overlooked, but so useful. So uh, look at ways that you can um, utilize your own body weight too. It's an interesting point you brought up then about the training with people and having that community and how much that motivates you and keeps you going and how rewarding it is having people cheer you on. Um, but there are, whenever you're training for anything, you have that, that goal that you go towards and you've got the audience there and you've got the praise. But in your training sessions along the way, you are alone and you go through all of these ups and downs mentally or the other reasons that you're training as well, like mental health, depression, however you're feeling that day and that you're alone doing that anyway. And it's nice doing that, knowing that other people are doing it too, and that you get this thing at the end. But just remember now, even if you're at home, you're alone, but just see it as one of those training days that you're just doing the grind. It's almost like, like Dorian Yates, when he was doing bodybuilding, he called himself the shadow. And the reason why is because he was training alone and he was like not showing anyone his body, he wasn't showing off, and he was just ready to arrive at the end with everything that he'd done in private. I love that. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I love Dorian Yates, by the way, but like you've got to do it for you, regardless of environments, regardless of what's going on outside. Um, so you've got to try and limit how outside factors affect you personally as much as possible. And it's difficult. It's very difficult and it's more difficult for others um, or can be more difficult for others. But um, just try, try your best, even if you do a little bit of something it's better than a little bit of nothing sometimes. So I would say to, to my guys, even if you just literally do the warming up and then you don't want to carry on, then don't carry on. But then at least you've done a little bit of mobility and stretched off and you might feel a little bit better about yourself as a result. So there's a lot that can be said for how um, that might improve your mentality, but also improve your physical health, which is really, really important too. And uh, obviously the two go hand in hand. So yeah, uh, don't let your environment define you and don't let outside factors define you either. I think um, it's too easy to allow that to happen. And, uh, it does require some, some, um, some mental toughness and some, some, uh, some mental fortitude, but, but um, that can be developed by challenging and pushing yourself too. So. so let's move on a little bit to weightlifting now. So what if, if people are listening and they don't really understand the difference because a lot of people... Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just weightlifting. You are lifting weights when you're just doing a bicep curl, aren't you? So some people might think of weightlifting in terms of that, but the weightlifting we're talking about is Olympic weightlifting. So what's the difference between Correct. the powerlifting and the Olympic weightlifting? Uh, in a nutshell, one is static strength and one is dynamic strength. Uh, that, is, that is the difference, essentially. So one, you're in one position, moving from A to B, and the other one, um, you change in positions multiple times and often get thrown out of position. Um, and it's not always A to B. Uh, maybe the snatch is probably the closest A to B thing you can think of. But, um, you know, you know as well as I do, it can go wrong very quickly, especially because uh, the movements are executed so quickly too. So how have you personally, having all your experience and background in powerlifting, felt transitioning to or well, not transitioning because you still powerlift don't you but no. adding it do you all know? in weightlifting okay well transitioning yeah. then to the weightlifting 
horrendous. Um, up there with one of the worst experiences of my training <laughs> career. I would not recommend it, but um, the reason why I'm doing this is so I've got a better grasp of weightlifting because we offer it as an experience under my roof, under my gym. Um, so I want to know how it feels. So then when I'm speaking to um, potential customers or even our own athletes about it, I can have a conversation. Uh, I can be more relatable with people. I've got a deeper understanding of it and I can um, definitely attain a greater respect for people who, who get under the bar there because uh, it's very difficult. Uh, it, the learning curve is much steeper than powerlifting and you've got to have a massive amount of patience. Um, and if you're like me, you're not really a patient person. Uh, you might struggle, but you know when you do get it right, and you'll know Nicola, like every now and then you'll get one sweet lift and it makes it all worth it. So uh, if you're ready for a real challenge and a steep learning curve, then it's definitely something you should consider and take up. But coming from powerlifting to weightlifting is uh, extremely difficult because if you're very experienced in powerlifting, you might have um, your neural pathways so well developed, your muscle memory, uh, the way you cue yourself to move in certain positions um, that almost untraining, the, untraining yourself, uh, untraining these movement patterns and then trying to learn new movement patterns can be difficult. And I, I, always, use the, um, I always use the clean as an example um, because it's closer to doing a deadlift. So if you compare the clean movement to the deadlift movement, the clean movement requires you um, to generate velocity um, in a vertical direction, but keep going. You've got to keep going up with it. And then typically with a deadlift, you would generate force in a vertical uh, direction, but um, then all you've got to do is uh, extend your hips from A to B, and then that's the lift done. So this is where like um, there's the, there can be um, there can be like a disconnect for, for powerlifting and weightlifting still going with the lift and not finishing it where you've done 10, 15, 20,000 reps over the years, uh, it can be difficult. So how have you found weightlifting in terms of like its mental challenge? Um, for me, it's been difficult. Um, I've been injured for years now and I'm um, trying to work around injuries knowing that I've got a strong base to develop these lifts but just being restricted with injury and not being able to push big lifts um has been frustrating but also humbling to an extent and good in a way like a blessing in disguise a silver lining because um it's allowed me to really hone in on on technique and unlearning certain cues for powerlifting and learning these these new cues for weightlifting so very mentally challenging but um i think uh, it's high risk, high reward, I guess you could say. So would you say that's more, more of the reward that you get from weightlifting as opposed to powerlifting? Is the oh God, yeah. It? It's sweet when you, like, you'll know. It's, so, it's such a sweet feeling when you, you nail a smooth lift, like you catch a clean perfectly or you get under, you, you, you turn the bar over very quickly in the snatch and you're under it and you feel strong and you're not stable and you're not flying all over the place. Um, those one or two lifts that you get every now and then make it all worthwhile. Mm, they're the ones that keep you going. <laughs> oh God, definitely. So yeah. Saying that, getting it wrong keeps you going as well. Because I, I believe you're like me, and you're hard on yourself. <laughs> and we yeah. keep getting it wrong. You just want to keep going to get it right. And there definitely, is no yeah, yeah. I'm just like feedback. you. Right, yeah. So um, I don't look at it as like, oh, failed. Like uh, I've taken steps back here. Everything that I do wrong is a lesson learned for me. So let's talk a little bit about strongman. So I'm, me personally, I've tried a little bit of strongman, just training with my partner, and we have a few stones in the garage, which our neighbours hate us for. <laughs> they kind of <laughs> rattle the, the things on the walls in their houses. So oh, yeah, no. um, not, not the favourite neighbours at the moment. <laughs> oh, what? Um, so yeah, I've tried it a little bit. Um, going from weightlifting to that, I actually, I find it really fun. There's a lot of like fun element to Definitely. it because it, it's, it's like yeah. a game in a sense, um, but it's, it's completely different. Um, and being so technical in weightlifting, so so much of the mind thinking about every tiny little bit and the way that you're holding your body to then strongman, it just appears you just, just have to pick it up, you know, however it gets up. 
it was just kind of mind-blowing that from a PT background as well, I'm looking at it like, really, is that safe? What would you say is the difference with um, powerlifting, weightlifting and strongman? And then talk to us about the safety and all the other aspects of strongman and why it's good for you. Yeah, so uh, strongman, it's lifting odd objects um, as heavy as possible, as quick as possible, by any means necessary, the furthest distance, um, or having like a medley of events that you've got to do in the shortest time possible. Uh, and it is fun, you, you're right. I think that's like one of the biggest draws is that like it's exciting to watch, it's exciting to do as well. Uh, which is definitely what made me want to compete in it. And I think after weightlifting, I'll probably come full circle and I'll, I'll want to do strongman again, uh, but properly. And um, yeah, I think uh, it can, th th there's definitely a, a, a learning curve similar to weightlifting in that respect that there's so much variety. Um, but you have got like your staple events, like the stones, the floor to overhead exercises. So typically a log um, or like a monster dumbbell an axle bar. Um, but yeah, they, they do typically seem to be uh, like running events with like farmers walks and stuff. Um, Strongman, uh, it's, it, I guess it shares a lot of similarities with, um, with CrossFit, but just for like for big dudes, or I guess that would have been the, um, that would have been the perception, I guess, like many years ago when CrossFit first came about. Yeah. So now we've got like, which is my next point is like now you've got um, people with all shapes and sizes doing it from all different backgrounds, similar to that of powerlifting and weightlifting. And um, so I think strongman now is definitely becoming a lot more accessible for people from all walks of life, um, men, women, any, any weight, any size. I think one of the best stone lifts that we've had in our gym um, was a lady who um, weighed around 55, 60 kilos and she lifted the 75 kilo stone and I'm like, pound for pound, that's the best lift. That's like, amazing. Unreal. So to see uh, to see people from uh, all walks of life and shapes and sizes do it is amazing. <laughs> Coming soon, definitely. As long as your neighbours don't uh, kick it out. <laughs> but uh, in terms of like, in terms of like the differences between, um, yeah, I think if you're going to like kind of and talk about accessibility. Uh, I would say like powerlifting is definitely the easiest to get into, um, and probably has uh, probably has like the the uh, most accessible like entry level for competitions too. Um, in that like th there's no prerequisite, there's no like qualifying procedure for you to go to your first event, and I think that the same could be said for um, some weightlifting competitions and strongman too. It's just that the, the same parameters that need to be met with. Uh, weightlifting um, and obviously the, the learning curve is much steeper and then we look at strongman and I think it's just that the injury risk can be higher given a point that you touched on earlier um, a disregard for technique sometimes and you coming from like me uh, looking at all these intricacies and like where you feel on the weight and the feet for example or your back position a lot of that goes out the window with strongman which is why it's always been um, or typically associated with uh, with being bigger um so it's safer but um yeah i think uh i think there's definitely a gap now and i think that's like kind of the the angle that we're coming out with strongman where um we're trying to make it accessible for anyone you don't have to be this big burly dude uh or this like stereotypical six six foot five eddie hall type to get into it ladies can do it skinny guys like me can do it um it's exciting. I think it can be accessible to an extent, but uh, I would say before you start like throwing stones about and throwing 35, 40 kilo logs or whatever the way or running with a yoke or whatever it might be, um, seek some coaching advice because there are some, um, there are some like technical things that you might need to know about first. And ultimately just look after yourself, make sure you're not doing anything stupid and um, play it safe when you're doing something new, especially when you're talking about like Atlas stones and stuff where uh, your back can end up in a, a real vulnerable position pretty quickly. Mm, it's interesting that you say that about um, when you were talking about the strongman and new people coming into it. And it just made me think about how attractive it might be as a sport if you watch it like on television and then you want to go and try it, but you haven't actually got any other fitness background. And then it right, made me yeah. think about training programs and how important they are and how much I'm enjoying in my this age 
doing Olympic lifting training programs and it's, it's so interesting that all the accessory work is what I used to do for my main work, you know, because if you're, if you are someone who's into fitness and you want something that's like the next level, that's going to keep you motivated because it's outside of just your aesthetics, like just picking something up and putting it down just for the way you look, that's so boring. You know, if that's what you want to do, that's good for you. You go and do that. But I'm just saying that what's next? You know, how do you then improve on after that? So going to any of these sports, if you try them all and then find something that you enjoy, then you'll soon find that the stuff that you're doing before, why why were you doing it? Because now it supports something that you're doing. So you might do a a certain movement in the gym to correct a weakness somewhere else that's then going to support the, the stone lift, for example, like a front squat. Right, and what what you're talking about here is um, where like cross training can come in, or uh, we're we're uh, launching a new service this year, Super Told. So it's where we we kind of bridge the gap between these disciplines, and uh, they can they can all benefit each other somewhat. So I, I did have a question for you that that floats around all over the internet, and it's about the bench press with powerlifting and other modalities of bench press. Can you talk to me about the technique of bench press and why is it that shape, like, for example, your back position on the bench? Yeah. Uh, Ultimately, to reduce the range of motion, you're creating a stronger base in your upper back to be able to push from. So you have a shorter range of motion from your arms being able to hit your chest and back. Less distance to for the bar to travel. Um, So technically making the lift easier for you to do and uh, when you arch as well, it usually involves being more upright in your upper, uh, in your upper chest. So um, we call it thoracic extension. So your thoracic spine will kind of be in this position and um, this engages all your upper back muscles. But as a result, um, you're going to be able to use more of the, the big, more compound muscles in your chest, shoulders. I was panicked and I thought you, I lost you on the internet. It went a bit robust. still <laughs> Let me just have a look on the telephone just to see if anyone's made any comments while we're on here and then we can get those questions answered. So I'm just looking at the Zoom at the minute and not the Facebook. Oh yeah, no sweat. I've not even looked at the Facebook myself, to be honest. I did share it though. Uh... It is interesting though about the the body type, isn't it, that get into each sport because people have said to me about strongman that it's for bigger guys who are fat and maybe they they don't do cardio maybe they're not fit that's the stereotype yeah yeah which is crazy and my partner is amazing at strongman and he's so fit and he's actually this is the other thing i was going to talk about about fear when i asked you about powerlifting and then olympic lifting and how much fear i've experienced just doing olympic lifting and then him doing the strongman he literally went into it like with less training years as me. So he hadn't had all the injuries and all the things that I'd had. And he literally just went into it fearless, just picked everything up, chucked it around, had Love so it. much gains. And then at the end of it, he tore his bicep. Right. Yeah. I think for someone like him, he's fearless in, in all things in life, but having had that experience of tearing a bicep, he did have a moment when he was going to lift something. And I saw it in him, the same thing I have sometimes getting under the bar, that fear. And I wonder if that fear actually comes from being older and having experience in training and having some negative things happen like injuries. Yeah, you're right. Totally right. Um, I think what, when, you, uh, when you experience trauma like that, um, an injury which causes a setback of some sort, especially if it's associated with a, a movement. Um, so it, was it the stone yeah. that he'd done it on? Yeah. Um, that is going to create a psychological barrier for sure. So, um, yeah, I think uh, a massive respect to anyone who, who keeps trying to push forward and break through those those uh, psychological barriers in sports when um, when they've sustained an injury doing the thing that they love, and it can mm-hmm. be it can be very difficult. I've got a lot of empathy for any injured athletes out there who are still grinding away. I'm one of them, so uh, massive respect. It does make a lot of sense though, because if you think about it, like you just described it as a trauma and it is a trauma to your body and your body does hold trauma, even holds emotional trauma from things that you've been through in your life. And that's why sometimes you get triggered and emotionally you can be taken back to something. So something such as fear, you can have from something physical and then have it still come up for you in the future. 
yeah, it's almost like a defense mechanism of the body, you know? It's like uh, if you go into that position again and you feel a sensation of sorts, it's like it sends this trigger to your brain that we're not going to do this now because when we've done this years ago or whenever, um, we, we, the, there was a trauma, we sustained an injury. Mm, how do you overcome that yourself? So it's interesting. I, I, I love talking about stuff like that. Um, me, again, being stubborn and, um, yeah, I think surrounding myself with people who um, – like Danny Staples, for example, who uh, helped me with like the, the sports therapy side of it, uh, learning more about how you can work around these injuries too. When you do injure yourself, it, that doesn't have to be the end. Um, especially if we're talking about like a limb, uh, you've got three more limbs there that you could use. You've got a body you can use, your mind you can use. So uh, it's it can be detrimental, but um, there's always a way. And I think if you look at, people who've sustained um, serious trauma and still managed to, to carry on or achieve X, Y, and Z. I think uh, it, it's easier for you to, to be able to see the light, so to speak, and, and be able to push forwards and motivate yourself to, to carry on. Yeah, I was just thinking, there are some really cool tools that I use as well with NLP, um, Neuro Linguistic Programming, which helps you kind of rewire your mind um, so in situations where you have a fear and your body, it's like you had um, a fire in the house once and then the smoke alarm goes off and the smoke alarm goes off in the future when there's no fire. And if that's the triggering response that right, happens yeah. because you had that fire in the first place. So there are things that you can do um, like anchoring yourself so you can anchor yourself to a certain state. So if you get this fear state, so before that fear state happens, you can anchor yourself to something that you would see as the opposite of fear. So it was calm and I've done it myself. You may have seen me when I was there last and I was um, lifting something that I've never lifted before, my, my clean and jerk. So I took a moment to, to close my eyes and I anchored myself to a state and I have a visualization process where I inhale and exhale really slowly. So I'm not in my sympathetic nervous system. I'm not breathing through my chest. I'm yeah. breathing nice and slow in my parasympathetic nervous system, calm and relaxed. And as I exhale, I actually imagine I'm, I'm blowing a dandelion. I can see all the little bits going <laughs> into the air. And just yeah. in that moment, just get in the zone, just chill. I'm in the present because yeah. if, I'm, if I'm anxious, anxious means I'm zooming into the future. So I'm zooming into that lift, imagining it going wrong, imagining something bad happening, maybe something bad happened before, and that's my yeah. triggered state. So in yeah. that moment, you can get yourself into the present. And that's just a nice tool to share with people to be able to get yourself into the now, which you can use at home right now. It doesn't have to be the weightlifting because there are many things that people experience fear um, yep. or any other emotion that that's a negative one that they may want to change their state to something positive. Yeah. Well, if you think about um, think about the word emotion, um, it essentially means energy in motion, emotion. right? So <laughs> just put that into something positive. Uh, I think visualization you touched on, um, that hit, hits the nail on the head for me. Speaking to um, uh, like a, a sports psychologist can help. Even speaking to like your friends or your training partners can help, to be honest. Your coach, if you've got a coach, really helps. Um, they, they, they'll often have techniques which, um, which they can use with you. Uh, a lot of the time, it can just be uh, one cue that you need to focus on. And then you can just solely just get, go all in on that and you, the fear will go away. But um, yeah, I think once you overcome that, you break through that barrier. Uh, it's 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 a wonderful feeling, like and being able to so you really grow. I think not just physically but mentally. Mm -hmm. So before we go, let's just talk a little bit about Taylor Strength again and what you've got coming up, what we can look forward to when the lockdown is over and we can come back in. Yeah, well, I touched on Super Total, so you can expect to see uh, Super Total launched as a brand new experience at Taylor's. We're putting all our resources behind it, so that's going to be with our coach, Joe. Um, you're going to be helping out with it. Uh, Danny's going to be helping out with it. It's uh, it's going to be great. We're going to really bridge the gap between the disciplines, and I think there'll be some um, some good banter and stuff between the two disciplines, the, the different groups of stuff, while they try different things. Um, expand Taylor's as much as possible to the point where we can go to a larger facility of course uh, you already know I've already spoken to you about this sort of thing uh, but that's can of course get everyone back in um, 
yeah, do as many socials as possible and catch up and just have everyone with us so we can uh, we can really make up for the, the lost time over the last year. And we've got the 10th birthday of Taylor's Strength this year too. That's coming up in December. Um, so I hope that there's not many restrictions in place and everyone's vaccinated and stuff and we can kind of just fully enjoy a nice big night out and a sit-down meal and stuff. Um, some, some socials that aren't fitness related. <laughs> right, yeah, actually, yeah, get off Zoom. And I need no to get out Zoom in Liverpool, I haven't experienced it yet. <laughs> right, so it's 1st of December, Taylor's 10th birthday. Uh, expect your invite soon. In the diary. <laughs> so can't wait for that one. And um, yeah, just to like, just to, just to get back to business, to be honest. Uh, as much as I'm like, just changing my focus now that um, we're not having to... Um, run the gym day to day as we usually would. Uh, we've recently launched a new business as well. That's a secret project that I don't want to talk to anyone about right now, but um, it'll all come to fruition and it'll all come out at some point. It's totally different from Taylor's, uh, so that's exciting. So we're keeping busy. We're making improvements at the gym as we speak. Before I got on the uh, on, on the Zoom call with you, I just, um, I just secured some new equipment for the gym as well. So... I'm excited to, to to reveal that surprise to everyone when they come back for the first time. And yeah, we're just uh, as usual, just trying to make um, small improvements for people, so it's it's nice and fresh for them when they come back through the door. Mm-hmm. And do you have any um, like final thoughts, or are there any quotes or anything that you'd like to share? Something that maybe helps you just keep going and and stay positive. Um, Put you on the spot now. <laughs> it's a little bit of a mock. A little bit of a morbid one, but um, I think uh, it's just like you're gonna die. So literally, just try and live your life to the absolute fullest every single day. As long as life is, it's short at the same time. So you gotta you gotta kind of be be quick in the now, but be patient in the long. If that makes sense. <laughs> mm, or as I've heard the quote, I can't remember where, which says, "Live full, die young." Yeah. So. That, but like the metaphor <laughs> of it, I guess. I don't want to die young, by the way. Well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't want to die it's young. It's about but, living full in the now. <laughs> right, yeah. So it's the principle, but people take things too literally these days. So you've got to look beyond the meaning of it. And, the, you know, if it brings value to your life, then use it. But um, stop scrolling on Facebook because that's not good. Except when you're watching videos like this. Right, in <laughs> yeah. which case, scroll all day. Right, so um, obviously this is a video that's on Facebook, so if anyone watches it on the replay, do the hashtag replay, make your comments and any questions that you have, we can always answer them afterwards. I will also make it into a podcast, which will be available on SoundCloud, so I'll also put the link in here. Any final thoughts, Danny? No, um, stay safe, stay strong, people. We're going to come out to this last hurdle now, hopefully. All right, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Look forward to seeing you in the flesh. And you, Nicola. All right, thanks so much for your time, Danny. It's nice chatting to you. Thank you very much. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Weishi Radio on 91.8 Hayes FM.